Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week, our podcast features an episode of the Bob Hope Show called Free Make a Road Picture. We think it first aired in the 1940s. Hope Show. And now, here is Bob Hope. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, sir. It's always a pleasure to be back in town and do a show for you folks. Hollywood audiences are so fast. No kidding. One almost caught me yesterday. I do so few shows here, I had trouble getting into NBC tonight at the artist's entrance. I said to the man on the door, but don't you recognize me? Look at my nose. And he said, if you can't fight, why do you get into arguments? <laughs> but an exciting news item right now, which you can now buy almost anything with just a small down payment. It'll mean more TV sets. Of course, Hollywood already has a terrific number of television sets. In fact, we have so many antennas that the smog is coming in shredded. <laughs> There's so many TV antennas in California that they're interfering with the birds. This year, the only way the swallows could get back to Capistrano was to join the automobile club. (laughs) Television is now America's favorite indoor sport. I think the very last word in television is in the kitchen. They have it, you know. It's a combination television set and garbage disposal. If you don't like the programs, you press a button and start grinding ham bones. My shills are back there. But you know, television programs. But you know, television programs also have an effect on the education of children. There's a whole generation of education of children. There's a whole generation of kids that'll grow up believing that Washington crossed the Delaware because he needed another box of Ajax, the foaming cleanser. <laughs> of course, when I was a kid, we didn't have television. The only wrestling we saw was when we hid behind the couch. <laughs> They've already tried teaching on TV as an experiment, but it didn't work out. When one little boy came to school the next day, the teacher said, What did you learn, Tommy? And he bowed and kissed her hand and gave her a lit cigarette. (laughs) And the latest medical... And the latest medical sensation is surgery on television. Imagine having your appendix out, then seeing it a year later. (laughs) And you know how people always say, Let me show you my operation. Now they get a channel and bring it right into your living room. Just as the surgeon prepared to remove the liver, the patient sat up and said, but doctor, it's my tonsils. And the doctor said, I know, but I'm trying to get a sponsor. Thank you very much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, these are busy days in Hollywood. Among other productions, a Crosby Lamore Hope picture is in preparation. Right now, it's early morning on the lot. And Bob is in his dressing room waiting for his makeup man. Oh, boy. 
Just getting up at six in the morning is murder. I was better off back in Cleveland. Or I got to sleep until seven. Of course, I was working in a butcher shop. I had to get there before anybody else and change the lamb chops from their pajamas into their panties. Oh, well, it's a living. Come in. Morning, Mr. Hope. Oh, good morning, Fred. If you'll sit in your chair, Mr. Hope, I'll start putting on your makeup. Okay. My, you're certainly cheerful this morning. Well, I like to work on your face. Why? It's such a challenge. <laughs> what do you mean? Acres and acres of flab, and it's all mine. <laughs> you read that line so nice, don't you? All right, Fred, just do it, huh? Well, you, you can't blame me for being excited. Working on you is one job where I feel like a witch doctor. Here I am with my little makeup kit struggling to undo something Mother Nature did in a nasty mood. <laughs> All right, Fred, let's not do a whole bit here. Just smear, smear. Huh? Very well, very well. First, let's get this cold cream on your neck. Whoops! What's the matter? I got my finger caught in a wrinkle. <laughs> Now we'll just let that set for a minute, and while we're waiting, I'll just pluck your eyebrows. Okay, take it easy, though. Oh, this won't hurt a bit. Here we go. One. Here's another one. Ooh, here's a doozer. This is a stubborn little one. I got it. Oh, swell. If I ever need an extra eye, now there's a hole for it. See, now, I think we're ready for the makeup now. Well, I want to talk to you about that, Fred. What was that stuff you put on my face yesterday? Oh, well, that's something new. And I know it's going to be wonderful for your face. Why? It's the same stuff they're using to pave the Hollywood freeway. <laughs> Look, Fred, let's get this thing over with, huh? All right, all right. I'll just put some of this powder on you. Put this towel around your head, and we'll just put this chin strap under your face. There. Anybody here? Oh, hello, Fred. Oh, hello, Miss Lamour. Hey, Dottie, come on over here. Who is it? Who is it? Don't you recognize me? <laughs> no, no, it's me, Dottie. Where do I get this stuff off? Oh, that's better. You all set to go to work? Uh-huh. Gee, Bob, it's just like old times doing a road picture with you and Bing. Yeah, remember the first one? Boy, was I green. I kept messing up one scene, and I had to kiss you 500 times. Yeah, then I turned green. Go on, you loved every minute of it. Well, I must admit that I've kissed a lot of leading men in pictures, but there's something about your lips that's different. My tailor pads them for me. <laughs> I've got the only tweed pucker in town. You know, Bob, you've matured. You're really working hard on this picture. Well, that's because of my new... I was working on my tweed pucker. Did you like I have a tweed pucker and a plaid head. Well, well, that's because of my new financial deal with Paramount. It's just wonderful. Really? Yes, rather than working on a straight salary, I'm paid on a cost-plus deferment basis, which is figured on a fiduciary arrangement over $1 million with the exhibitors cut east of the Rockies, which is included in the general corporation setup. Oh, what does that come to? About $25 a week. <laughs> Why don't you 
don't you go to the unemployment office and cut out the middleman? You know, Dottie, I'm glad you stopped by. There's something I want to talk to you about. What's that? Well, how shall I start? Well, let me put it this way. You, Bing, and I are making a picture. Now, let's evaluate the three of us. All right. Now, you're attractive, a good actress, and as for me, my looks and my acting ability, well, gee, I, I hate to say it. But you will. <laughs> Well, I like to be honest. Bob, what are you driving at? Well, it's about Bing. Well, what about him? Well, Dottie, you know how it is in Hollywood. Some actors fade away, some disappear, some aren't as strong as they used to be. With, with Bing, it's different. Different? Yes, with him, rigor mortis is set in. <laughs> oh, stop exaggerating. Who's exaggerating? After we finish the scene, they put him back in the icebox so he won't fall apart. <laughs> Silly, Bing's still wonderful. Of course he is, but when you stack him up against us, I mean, why should he injure our brilliant careers? I don't understand. Well, after our last road picture, Paramount got a letter that said, Hope and Lamour were fine, but why did they need their grandmother in the picture? Bob, are you sure that's what the letter said? Well, I ought to be able to read my own writing. <laughs> We gotta protect this picture. Oh, Bob. Really, whenever we're shooting a scene, we gotta hide Bing from the camera. How can we do that? Well, you could stand in front of him. I will not. All right, then I'll stand in front of him. That'll hide everybody. <laughs> Bob, I'm really surprised at you. After all, you and Bing have been friends for a long time. Oh, please. And he's done a lot for you. Old hydromatic hips? <laughs> what did he ever do for me? Well, lots of things. Why, when you first came to Hollywood, you didn't know anybody. You... You couldn't get work. You were sick. That's true. I almost froze to death posing for a calendar. <laughs> you were alone, friendless. You were like a little bird. And Crosby took you under his wing. Well, that was nice, but he tried to sit on me and hatch me. <laughs> Bob, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Dreaming up a little plot like this. Well, maybe you're right. It wasn't fair of me to think only of us. I take it all back. I wouldn't really do anything to hurt Bing anyway. Well, that's better. Hello? Yeah, this is Bob Hope. It's the production department, Dottie. Oh? What? He did? Why, he can't do that. Oh, he did, huh? Well, he hasn't heard the last of this. Bob, what's the matter? Crosby called to say he won't be in today. There'll be no shooting. Why? He's going to play golf instead. Why, the nerve of that monster. Did you ever see him play golf? It takes him all day just to play nine holes. Every time he takes a step, he trips over his hearing aid. Gee, he might have given us a little notice. Well, that's the way he does things. He doesn't tell anybody. That's the way he foreclosed the mortgage on my house. Ooh, I'll fix him for this. I'll get somebody to replace him and have Paramount throw him out of the picture. Who are you going to get to replace him? Oh, I'll get somebody. When I get through, he'd be sorry he did this. He'd be right back where he started from, on a milk truck. You mean... You mean Bing drove a milk truck? No, he pulled it. to meet a gal we've had the pleasure of working with several times this season. And here she is with Be Anything, Miss Peggy Lee. 
Thank you, Bob, for that lovely introduction. Yeah? Well, there's something I'd like to add. What's that? Oh. <laughs> Last me. We have a big fanfare, please. <laughs> Les, that was a fanfare? It was more like my paycheck after they take out the withholding tax. We were just going to do a few scenes from our earlier shows this year. For instance, down in Corpus Christi, Texas, we did a show for the boys at the Naval Air Station, and I played the part of a cruel, vicious sea captain. There she goes, helmsman, and look sharp. Captain Bly is headed toward the bridge. Mr. Christian? Aye, aye, sir. Mr. Christian. Heave all your topside, mizzen up your spinnaker, jib your boom, and lay your forecastle. What does that mean, sir? I don't know. I'm mad with power. <laughs> are you taking over, Captain? Indeed, Mr. Christian. Bring me up to date. What progress have we made since this good ship left home? Well, I have the log right here, sir. The first day we traveled six inches. The second day, a foot and a half. The third day, two feet. Not very good, is it? No, sir. Well, we'll go a lot faster once we get to the water. <laughs> 
Mr. Christian, I run me ship as I please. Sir, I'm duty-bound to tell you that I consider you the cruelest, most vicious, black-hearted, sadistic monster on the seven seas. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Christian, what's this? The men are approaching the bridge. They have weapons. It's mutiny, sir. I warned you. Now your time has come. No, no. You may have your choice, Captain Bly. Hang by a rope from a yard arm or be cast adrift in a dinghy. No, no, not that. I don't know a thingy about a dinghy. <laughs> Very well, then. It's the rope. And here it is. Just a moment. I'm not afraid to die. But grant me one request so that I may die as an Englishman and a gentleman. What is your request? When you put that rope around my neck... Yes? Please tie a Windsor knot. <laughs> and there's some months ago, we were at Camp Pendleton for the men of the Marines. We did a cute little sketch with a Scottish background. I... Isn't it wonderful out here? Oh, I, 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 a brabrich moonlich nicht It's fun to say, and the dew is good for the heather, you know. Look, dearie, I got a surprise for you. I brought you some candy. Oh, Hector, you're too good to me. Here it is. Thank you. I've never seen candy exactly like this before. You're winding it up. What kind is it? Oh, they're called lifesavers. <laughs> I'll bring you another one from the package tomorrow night. Ah, <laughs> oh, Annie, it's nice to be with you. Someday, when I'm a famous musician, we'll get married. Daughter, where are you? Oh, his father. He better not find me here with you. Where are you, daughter? I'm over here in the right field, Father, trying to track down one of our lost sheep. Bah. <laughs> well, he shouldn't be hard to find. I see some footprints here. It's the only sheep in the field wearing army shoes. <laughs> ah, I thought so. Who is this bum? No, Father. I'm not a bum. I'm a... <laughs> I'm a very accomplished musician, and someday I'll be very rich. Bah! I, I, I will. I just finished writing a wonderful song, and your daughter was the inspiration for it. I'll sing it to you. Listen. If a body meets a body, coming through the rye. If a body miss a body, need a body. Didn't miss that body, did I? <laughs> I can remember another show we did. It was a Los Alamitas. And we did our version of the great motion picture, Death of a Salesman. My name is Willie Loman. I'm a salesman. Been a salesman for almost 40 years. 
I've sold everything in my time, but right now I'm selling garbage disposal units. And I'm good at it. The president of the company said I had the best head for garbage disposal he ever saw. <laughs> but don't get the wrong idea. It ain't no fun being a salesman. All day long you stick your foot in the door and people slam it on you. Happened to me so many times I don't wear shoes, I wear door stops. <laughs> yeah, selling's my life, but I got a funny feeling something's gonna happen. The boss of the company has called me into his office. Sit down, Willie. Yes, sir. Willie, you've been with this company for 40 years. That's right, sir. Willie, it's a feeling up in the front office that you're slipping. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> How about your last trip? You were in Wyoming, supposed to be selling swivel chairs. Well, it's hard to sell swivel chairs out in the cow country. I got a cow to sit down on one, but her aim was bad and she missed the bucket. <laughs> Trying to tell me I'm through? Afraid so, Willie. I'm going to have to give you your notice. Oh, but you can't do this to me. I got a wife and family. I need the money. I'll do anything. I don't have to be a salesman. I'll be your office boy. I'll scrub the floor. We have an old woman for that. Let me scrub the old woman. <laughs> I'm sorry, Willie. We can't carry you. You're fired. That's gratitude. Forty years with a company. Forty years of being a traveling salesman. I should have got that other job when I had the chance. What other job? Being a farmer's daughter. <laughs> Could you be a farmer's daughter? You're not a girl. What do them farmers know? <laughs> they only feed the whole world and elect president. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's a number called Wing Day, and I've asked Miss Peggy Lee to join me here tonight to do it. Go. <laughs> stranger. Anything I can do for you? Yeah. Scratch my back. Is that all? No, one other little thing. Let's get a little life in this joint. Okay, stranger. If that's the way you want it. Hold it, Jeff. Sam, bring out the dancing girl. I'm shouting, I'm singing. Tonight I'll do some flinging. I'm laughing, I'm humming, because I know what's coming. Things have been too slow, and I will make them go. What a night for a wing ding. My baby's more than willing to make the evening thrilling. Things are right for a wing ding. And I can tell you, you can count on me. I got the maid, I'm dating, waiting patiently. I figure I'll be on a spree. I'm for her. I figure he's for me. Tonight'll be a beauty. Yip to hootie, what a time to be tingling. I'll soon be flying higher than a kite. Because tonight's my night to have a wingling. There'll be real fine doings tonight. The maid I'm dating, waiting patiently. I'm spooting up to loosen up and have a spree. 
Bob Hope started and refined his comedy act on vaudeville. He was born Leslie Towns Hope in England in 1903. His family moved to the United States in 1907, and he changed his name to Bob, in part to avoid schoolyard teasing. He had a few odd jobs, including as a boxer, before he decided on vaudeville. He teamed up with a performer named George Byrne, and they did okay, but he decided to make the big jump and go solo. He became a successful performer in and around Chicago, even starting his own company and hiring Edgar Bergen. But Hope wanted something more. He wanted success in New York, and that meant going into radio, despite his initial resistance to performing in this new media. His early forays into radio did not last too long. In 1935, he was in Intimate Review, The Atlantic Family, and in 1936, he was in The Rippling Rhythm Review. But in 1938, he teamed up with NBC Radio and Pepsodent. By 1940, The Pepsodent Show was in fourth place behind Edgar Bergen, Jack Benny, and The Fibber McGee and Molly Show. Hope's show held high ratings until 1950. The Pepsodent Show was a normal comedy show. It featured Bob Hope giving his stand-up routine, some singing, some sketches with a cast of regulars, including Skinny Ennis, Barbara Jo Allen, Blanche Stewart, and a few others. Various guest stars would appear, including Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, and Judy Garland. One of his regulars, Jerry Colonna, was a trumpet player with a huge walrus mustache. Hope and Colonna had a great stage relationship. They would travel together, giving their act and feeding off of each other, visiting military bases and other such spots around the world. At times, Hope would play the straight man and Colonna would become the funny guy. Bob Hope hired eight writers for the show, and his jokes were always topical, taking cues from his location and audience and he traveled constantly, and from newspapers. Hope's monologues didn't push the censorship, censorship envelope too much, at least not in what he said. A lot of his more risque material was in how he said it. Bob Hope traveled to military bases and camps even before America entered World War II, and by the end of the war, many wondered if he had visited every military base, camp, and hospital in the States. Also, he made six trips overseas to Europe, Africa, and the Pacific. And when he traveled, he brought his entire 42-member show with him. It is possible that from the start of the war to the end, he had only one show in the NBC studio. However, around 1950, his ratings started to sag. Television was taking over his market. He found sponsors other than Pepsodent, but his audience continued to decline. He stopped the show in 1954, and repeats were aired until 1958. 
But don't feel too badly for Bob. He had tons more success after his radio show. He starred in countless films, television specials, voiceovers, and yet more countless USO tours. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.